Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to our show today. Today we're going to move on with our conversation about the Faithful and True workbook, the units in it, the dimensions of healthy sexuality. We're working on a healthy sexuality model. We're challenging the people who listen to this show, Randy, to think about all the various dimensions that are involved in being a healthy person, having healthy sexuality, lots of things. In fact, one of the things we've discovered is that there's so much material in this workbook, some of which I've forgotten about, that even in going over it again for myself, it's reminding me of some uh, really interesting things. You have forgotten just how much you know. When you read stuff that you wrote 20 years ago, it does kind of remind you about your own uh, spiritual, intellectual, clinical development in the field. And it, you know, it also uh, has been reminding me that some of the stuff that we teach is in, you know, incredibly consistent over the last 25 years. As we've discovered things that are really helpful to people, they continue to be helpful to people. Today, we're going to talk about the personal dimension. For those that maybe are just tuning into the show for the first time, uh, the healthy sexuality model has five dimensions. Uh, Spirituality is kind of a central part of that. Physical dimension of sexuality is what we all tend to think about. But then also there's a relational dimension, a, a behavioral dimension, meaning that accountabilities and contracts and things in our life. Today we're moving on to the uh, personal dimension, which is all about uh, your individual identity, your individual healing, uh, your character qualities. Uh, there's, there's a lot packed into this dimension. What do you feel is the best place to start? Well, we could start with lesson one in, in this unit about personal dimension. is about your ability to trust which is interesting because we, we ended the last week's show in the relational dimension about the ability to trust your spouse. But this first dimension talks about, or this first lesson, I'm sorry, talks about do we have the ability to trust? Uh, have we been somehow wounded in our childhood? So in other words, we could go back and talk again, for a long time, about trusting in a relationship. But one of the things we find is that while spouses have violated trust and, and created damage and, and trauma with, with infidelity, uh, a lot of the people who are struggling to trust also bring a certain woundedness about trust into relationships. So what that, what that means in kind of the short amount of time we have to talk about this on the radio program is they were somehow perhaps violated or had some kind of traumatic experience growing up. Think about the people, for example, we're currently going through another round of clergy sexual abuse crisis uh, as we're taping these shows. But think about the fact that if if you were somehow betrayed, uh, uh, some religious authority in your life uh, betrayed you, sexually offended you, did not treat you well, betrayed your emotional trust or whatever. Think about the problems you would have trusting religious authorities moving into the future. And obviously, if your father or your mother 
sexually abused you, physically abused you, emotionally abused you, and, and one or both of them were uh, elders in the church or deaconesses in the church or leaders in the church or Sunday school teachers in the church. In other words, they were in church uh, all the time or uh, regularly participant in the life of the church, but then at, at home they drank, they smoked, they, they overate, they, they swore, they cussed, they, they hit, they slapped, they molested, whatever they did. Think about the messages there that uh, kind of what we call make you crazy. It's like they say they're believers, they say they trust God, they say they believe in God, and yet they don't act like it. There's, a, there's an incongruity there that, that some of us grow up with uh, some confusion about who do we trust uh, and, and can we trust God. Now, we add to that our own spiritual formation and development in this personal dimension. And I, I know one of the issues that was present for me was that I had a rather immature view early on of prayer. Uh, the God that I had been taught about, I think, was a God that always answers prayer. And there's certainly scriptures about that. But I had kind of a magical way of thinking about it, such that if I prayed something, God was just automatically going to do it. And when I discovered early on uh, that God didn't always answer the prayers in the way that I wanted him to, it, it called into question my ability to trust God. Lesson one of this unit is basically asking you to, to think about wounds in your life, healing those wounds, and how that's impacted your ability to, uh, to trust, to trust relationships, to trust yourself, and certainly to trust God. Well, this, this is an, an invitation, if you will, uh, for the listener to think back to their childhood and think of those times that your trust was betrayed when someone you looked up to, and like you said, whether that was a family member or a clergy member uh, or a family friend, someone you looked up to for care and they somehow disappointed you, they let you down, or they hurt you. That's right. So uh, we know that there's a lot of groups that are listening to the show as a group, and I would just pause the recording and talk with each other, tell each other maybe a story from your past about how you were wounded, how you were hurt, how your trust was violated, how, how confused you've been, sometimes even about your uh, belief and faith in God. It's interesting that you mention prayer because um, I was raised, uh, went to a, a parochial school for the first eight years of my schooling, mm-hmm. uh, happened to have been a Catholic school, and there was an emphasis on memor- memorization of prayers. Mm-hmm. So you really, as a young child, you're not really that connected to what you're saying, to what you're praying. Mm-hmm. you know. And it wasn't until many years later where... Uh, I moved on from those memorized prayers to really opening my heart and praying from the heart. Yeah, that's a whole conversation in itself about meditation and prayer and that kind of thing. But we're we're basically, I think, in any of uh, our shows here, encouraging the individuals listening, the groups listening, uh, to get into conversation with themselves and others about you know the topics that that we're presenting here. Let's move on to one of my favorites. It's talents. In the personal dimensions, we we want to look at what is our giftedness, what are our talents, and, and then later in lesson three here, we're going to be uh, talking about, okay, if you understand your talents, then what is your calling? What's your vocation? What is your mission in life? What's your vision and purpose in life? Uh, the personal dimension is all about what gives you meaning, purpose, passion, 
creativity and how to use your talents. One of my favorite parts of that lesson as I was looking back over it was that um, there's the, you know, the parable of the talents. It's a couple of different places in the Gospels. And this was one of my father, who was a pastor. It was one of his favorite stories to tell. I, I'm not exactly quite sure what that was about, but he would always tell the talent, the parable of the talents. And as, as many of our listeners would know, you know, it's about three men, all of whom receive different talents. And that's actually uh, the designation of coinage in, in uh, Israel at the time that Jesus was, was teaching. So, you know, one was given ten talents, one was given five, one was given two. Well, the guy with ten was evidently quite talented. He went out and made ten more. The same with the guy with five. He went out and made five more. But the guy with two was so afraid of losing his talents that he buried it in the ground. Now, when the three guys go back to the master who's given them the, this uh, money, these talents, uh, the, the first one says, here's the result. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. The second one comes back, I made, you know, I doubled the money. Well done, good and faithful servant. But the, the third guy comes back, and basically all he's been has been protective. And, but the master's reaction to him is, uh, you, you vile and wicked uh, servant. You, you didn't try to use your talent. I think... Uh, the, the meaning that I made out of this from my dad is that you've, got, you've been given gifts from God and you darn well better use them. If you don't, that's uh, uh, going to be hell to pay. So, <laughs> so it was quite frightening, actually, and there, there was just a lot of uh, pressure. And part of that was that uh, dad would uh, point out what he at least perceived my talents to be. So, and how you should be using how them? How I should be using them. And I think I got kind of programmed into uh, certain kinds of activities. For example, my dad thought that I was good at uh, uh, speaking, and uh, he had been a, a debater in college. He, he had been on the debate team. He thought that you know, I should use my talents to be on the debate team. Well, I joined the debate team because Dad thought it was a good idea my freshman year of college. I actually made it to the semifinals of the national debate tournament. So I, evidently he was right, but you know, I, I look back on that and say, there were so many other things that I would have preferred to do in college. <laughs> and, and yet, I mean, there are times when those debate skills that were honed during that uh, couple of years I did it you know, have come in handy. So, you know, none of this is black and white, you know, but uh, we're, we're talking in this lesson about getting some even feedback from others. One of the things to think about uh, in your accountability networks is, uh, ha you know, ask people, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling to know what are your talents, you know, ask other people uh, what they perceive you to be good at, you know, when they notice that you're, you're uh, feeling creative or passionate or seem to have joy and commitment and energy, what, what do they notice that you're doing at that point? And uh, this gets to one of my favorite stories. Well, I'm gonna, one of my passions and talents are taking us to break. And uh, uh. you're on a roll right now. I want to hear uh, everything you've got to say. But uh, we need to uh, take a break at this point. And when we return, you can, uh, you can take the ball and run with it from there. This is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? 
Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. the trigger of the week. Mark, this week's trigger of the week comes to us courtesy of your Tuesday night men's group, and it involves listening to the oldies. I think it's all right to identify this one. It comes from the co-leader and facilitator of the group, Dr. Russ Schmidt, and uh, he's not that old. He's not as old as I am, but uh, he was saying that sometimes what is interesting to him is when he's listening to the uh, oldies station, uh, it takes him back to those uh, junior high and high school crushes, romances, uh, that, you know, the, the fantasy that can get involved in that for a lot of guys is uh, taking you back to all of these old relationships and these old fantasies is like, well, you know, um, that was a real relationship. That was where my real heart and passion really was. That, you know, and the trigger there is not just about sexual temptation, it's about kind of a temptation that the relationship you're in today is not the best one. So, I, I don't know, old music, whatever, adolescent uh, feelings, some of which are full of hormones, I think, you know, when it brings that stuff up, I think that's powerful. Well, uh, oldies and music uh, in general has that ability to to trigger us, uh, taking us back to specific uh, old relationships. And I think it also launches you into a, a, another arena, and that is what could have been. What could have been? What, what if? Yeah. What if that first love of my life had been, you know, the one that I that at the moment you felt it was? That, that's right. Well, you know, like any of the triggers of the week, uh, any of the people that are thinking about it, just notice the effect that at some point that, that music has, old music, the, the trigger of the week is old music in your life. Where does it take you? Maybe some of those places are good. This is not a black and white thing. I mean, it could be that it takes you back to inappropriate fantasies and thoughts, but um, that's for you to decide. Like any of our triggers of the week, uh, they're somewhat individualized and personalized in terms of what affects you. All right. Well, just before we went to break, I had to jump in and uh, uh, interrupt you to... Uh, in your uh, enthusiasm about talents? Well, we were talking about talents in the sense that uh, so many people, I think, grow up and 
they don't get kind of encouragement about talents or they don't get uh, affirmations or blessing that they could screw something up and still be okay. That's blessing. We all need to take stock of uh, what or how God has gifted us. And I think that's kind of what that lesson is about. And sometimes I think we need uh, feedback from truth tellers in our life today. Now, if we do begin to get some idea of what our talents are, then I think that propels us on to lesson three, which is, you know, what is our calling? What's our mission? What does God intend for us to do? And this brings us to, you know, one of my favorite stories. And the the listeners know that, uh, I think, if you've been listening, that, you know, I'm a big fan of movies. And I have uh, probably a list of the top ten movies. Certainly on my top five list is the movie uh, Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. That's an older movie now, obviously. Uh, it was actually produced by the guy that was killed with uh, Princess Diana in the uh, in the uh, car crash in uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy uh, is the guy that produced that movie. So, you know, that's interesting. And it also reflects the fact that, uh, you know, he was very interested in English culture, I think, and, and becoming accepted in English culture. And, you know, that's kind of the background of the movie. But the movie is the story of two runners that are going to wind up running in the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. One is an Englishman, Harold Abrams. The other one is a Scotsman, Eric Little. And what the movie begins to portray is that they have different motivations for running. Harold Abrahams is born into English culture. He is Jewish. And, you know, one of the early scenes in the movie talks about the fact that he's never really felt totally accepted in English culture, and he's always turned to racing to be the world's fastest man so that he can run all of his opponents into the ground. Well, the movie portrays his anxiety, his struggle, his whatever it is to, you know, to have a... The, the reason he's running is is for his own personal competitive uh, advantage and, and, and to deal with his shame, basically, I think. If, if we're doing anything to try to deal with our shame, that may not be the right motivation. Well, of course, he does go on to win the gold medal, and one of the most poignant scenes of that movie is when he gets off the train after the Olympics and his girlfriend greets him. It's like it hasn't achieved you know, the goal that he wants. He's, he's kind of sad. He's kind of dejected. You know, the high of the experience is over, and it really hasn't produced for him what he sought. Now, the other runner, on the other hand, is a Christian uh, he's from a missionary family. He's going to go on after the Olympics to return to uh, his missionary work in China. In fact, uh, uh, during World War II, he's going to die in China. Dur- during the course of the movie, one of the things that uh, one of the plot lines that comes out is that as he's you know in Edinburgh uh, training, getting his missionary or his theological studies to go back and be a missionary, his sister is there to help him and to you know kind of be his uh, his right-hand person to get some of the missionary work, even of, of whatever they're doing in Edinburgh. She is also a worrier. She's kind of an OCD type, it seems to me. And she uh, is bothered by all of this running activity of his, all the training. So one day, one of the great scenes that I just absolutely love, I replay it in my mind all the time, he takes her uh, out on the hills overlooking Edinburgh. And he takes her by the hand and he said, Jenny, I know that the Lord made me for China. And, he says, 
He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's the line that I think is so key. You'll know you're in sync with God when if you're doing something, you feel his pleasure. Now that's something that I don't think clinically, objectively, psychologically, in other words, I don't think that can fully be described. But I think when you're in sync with what God has gifted you with and you're doing it, you will feel a sense of God's pleasure. Now, in the lesson, by the way, in the workbook, there are some boxes to check about you know things that you might be feeling, which would be indications, by the way, that maybe right now you're not doing um, what you were cut out, meant to, or called to do. And some of those boxes are, uh, do you deal a lot with anger, resentment, frustration, feeling stuck, boredom, uh, feeling like a failure, a sense of meaning, uh, meaninglessness, and a lack of purpose. If, if any of that stuff is familiar to you, you can, you can believe that maybe you're not quite in sync with whatever God has gifted you with. Well, I'd like that you take it a step further with an exercise in which you invite uh, the participant to, um, to write down the last time that I felt I was um, joyous or at peace or experiencing happiness, what was I doing? Right, that's right. Happiness, contentment, fulfillment, and you have a feeling of being productive, right? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So for me, you know, one of the things that's fascinating is that um, I could go back, by the way, I could do, you know, in one of the earlier lessons here, we were talking about some of the woundedness, some of how you might have been misdirected, uh, some of your parents' agenda might have been in this. You know, that's all, all true. Um, and what I, what I want to you know, say to those listening this, uh, today is that it's one thing to go back and you know, have a lot of what-ifs. Maybe that was our trigger of the week. It's all you know, about what-ifs. You know, what if this had happened? What if that had happened? What if I'd gone to medical school and that whatever? You know, we, can, we can spend some time dwelling in the path. That will lead to anger and resentment and you know, lots of other things. I, I think it's really more important these days to think about, okay, you know, it's never too late. Uh, what is God calling you to do today? How do even some of your misdirected life experiences or even your failures in life, I mean, how has that even gifted you to know what God would call you to do in, in the future? So, And basically what you're saying is once you realize what your calling and your mission will be according to your talents, uh, your mission will be uh, meaningful to yourself and to others, uh, and on uh, giving honor and glory to God. That's exactly right. And uh, for me, what I was saying there was, I notice one of the times when I'm feeling that the most is uh, actually when I'm writing. There, there, are, there are things that I can write about when I feel totally in sync with uh, God's calling, plan, and purpose for my life. It, it's just that there's something that I'm supposed to be writing about that uh, is using whatever talents I have with words, whatever talents I have to write, whatever organizational writing ability I have. You know, it's God's, God using my life experience, 
my 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 sins and even my failures, you know, oftentimes form what I'm writing about. So I, all I'm saying is that when I'm when I'm in that zone, sometimes you know you can you can actually feel that you're in kind of it's it's like you're in sync, in congruence, in in the flow of of uh, God's energy for you of what God intended you to do as well. This kind of flashes back to the parable that you shared earlier. Is once you have identified your talents, which helps you identify your mission. Then your challenge is to develop your talents and to use your talents. That's right, and that that's where the the, the parable comes in and is a little bit frightening. In that, if you're able to identify your talents and able to have some idea of what you're supposed to be doing with them, then you know you're going to need courage at points because this may involve making some significant changes in your life. Any closing thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, I'm always conscious of those people that are listening that have a community in their life that have uh, groups. Maybe, uh, as we so, so often have said, there are groups listening collectively to this show. I would imagine that there, there's, there could be some really uh, powerful conversations in those groups. How have you noticed in your group each other's talents? How have you noticed each other's giftedness? How have you noticed when some of the other people in your group seem to be more content, joyous, um, excited? By the way, you pointed this out even with me during the course of recording the show in that there's something about this topic which really excites me. So, you know, the energy level of my voice, I think, even in whatever goes up when I get into this topic because uh, it's so powerful to me. Those of you that are listening, look for that in yourself. Point it out in, uh, in uh, those that you care about in, in accountability. And for the spouses listening, the kind of the same thing. It's part of perhaps your struggles in recovery is looking for God's calling, plan, and purpose in your life and what are your talents and what helps you feel creative, productive, and passionate. I can't tell you, by the way, the number of women that Debbie works with who have gone back to school to get their college degree or their advanced degree. I don't know what it is with her, but she has that ability to to really (laughs) encourage women. She is a gifted encourager, which which we have spoken about on previous shows. Well, uh, we hope that today's message has certainly been beneficial and powerful for you. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. My name's Randy Everett. I'm the co-host of the show. We'd like to thank Ben Laser, our engineer and technical director. And uh, we thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.